The following episode of The Book Guys is rated explicit for content and may contain lots and lots of violence. Book Guys Books Audio Books Audio Dramas The Book Guys show is brought to you by Audible. Go to audibletrial.com slash bookguys and get a free book. Just for signing up for a free trial. Why not? My name is Paul Alves, and this week we're introducing ourselves based on pizza. My name is Paul Alves, also known as... And I'm from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, where the pizza could have on it gefilte fish. It could have on it curry. It could have on it anything. It could be any thickness, really. In Toronto, pizza is of all kinds of flavors, my friend. And my co-host today is the one and only... Sir Jimmy. What's pizza like in North Carolina, Jimmy? Jimmy? Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I was just grabbing a bite of pizza. (laughs) Oh, my wife and I have been actually toying with the idea of opening up a pizza place here in North Carolina. And it would be called DeCarlo's Pizza. DeCarlo's? Yeah, it's this... uh, They're franchising now. It's been open since 1941 up in the West Virginia, Ohio Valley area. They cook the pizza in big metal pans. They just cook the sauce and the bread, and then they bring it out, cut it into squares, and they throw cheese on it. None of the toppings are cooked. It's oh, Very avant-garde. So what's the predominant pizza in North Carolina, like uh, as far as the other, like the big shop? I mean, let's not, you know, let's not count Papa John's. And so let's let's not count more, the fast food. No counting fast food, like the little shops. Really, you get New York-style pizza that does well here, but um, not, there's nothing... Nothing local. There's nothing really that's that jumps out. You know, you get Papa John's and Pizza Hut and Papa Murphy's and all that crap. There's there's nobody that's really making anything that's, you know, where people are really putting their fingers in the dough. All right, and from mybrothersbooks.com, Jimmy, our, our our one of our guests today, David Ricklin. Where are you from, and what's the pizza like? I'm from the Chicago area, and the pizza is fantastic. It's deep dish, is it not? Well, Chicago-style pizza is traditionally deep dish, but I hate deep dish pizza. That's got to be thin for me, but lots of sauce, lots of toppings. i got to say, David, I've tried Italian pizza. That is the most boring pizza I've ever tried. Yep. When I was a kid, I went to Chicago for um, it was a big sales fair. My uh, parents owned a True Value hardware store, and they had you went up there for the market. And we, my dad took me to the Uno's Pizza, the original one there. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it's like they took a tomato, cut it in half, and <laughs> threw it on a pizza, big chunks of stuff and all that. And I was young and finicky, and I was like, Dad, this sucks. I mean, I can't eat this crap. And I said, take me to McDonald's. So he takes me to the McDonald's there, the one that was like two or three levels, used to be the busiest one in the world. Yeah. And uh, they screwed up my order, so it's just another <laughs> McDonald's. Except well, they had a fifty-seven chef or fifty-seven Corvette or something in, inside on a big. Well, well, I'm just saying, Jim, because you know the Italians invented pizza, but 
I've had Italian pizza and it's like one topping right. on a piece of bread. So uh, believe me, they invented it, but I, I believe you United States citizens perfected it. Just saying. That's right. As with most things. And our other guest who has narrated some of, of uh, David's brother's books is uh, Jay Rodney Turner. I believe we're calling you Rodney today, not Jay. That'll be fine. <laughs> That'll be fine. In a world full of pizza, Rodney. Where are you from and what's the pizza like? Well, I was born and raised in Miami, Florida, but I've uh, traveled around a little bit. I've been in Nashville, Tennessee since 1991. Nice. Uh, live on a small farm uh, north of Nashville in a little town called Portland. Yes. And uh, all of our, almost all of our pizza, I think exactly all of our pizza is chain pizza, but if I order it, it's got to have meat on it, all yeah, of meat. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I've gone through Portland. I've been in Nashville uh, to meet our good friend. I never got to meet him person in person. The Jeff, Jeff Smith, Smith at jeffsmith.com, G-E-O-F-F smith.com. Uh, wonderful talent. Check out uh, Gravity, his song. It's on iTunes. It's on, uh, on the YouTubes. And he's the one who did our uh, wonderful theme song. And he's got a piano bar in Nashville. And, uh, yeah, the pizza. I never seen pizza in Nashville when I was there at all, period. You haven't missed a thing, I promise. All right. No, you just <laughs> need to go to the Jack Daniels Distillery in that's right. That's in potato chips or there you go. Oh. And we're still having some bandwidth issues on my side for some reason. And uh, by the way, folks, the way we met—well, not Jimmy, but uh, myself, David, and Rodney. Uh, I believe David, you were in the chat room and watching the Padres corner last week. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm a techno geek. And, You're a twit, uh, like, are you? I like to watch Twit TV, which is a uh, online show about technology, and I. Uh, Went on and Padre's Corner was on, and there was these three crazy guys talking about books. And I said, hey, I like that. That's right. Now, and see, Father Robert is not, Padre is not on Twitter or on the Skype right now, but we'll try calling him later. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, and uh, we had a great time, and you were there. And, uh, you know, of course, the episode is usually out on Tuesdays for Padre's Corner. It's not out yet, and it's all my fault because of uh, my <laughs> yeah, connection issues. I made an editing nightmare for the folks over at Padre's Corner in the Twit Brick House. Sorry about that, Padre. Like I usually say, when I used to swear on the show, sorry, Padre. You know. <laughs> but guys, we, we normally start off the show with this. Jimmy, should we hit it? What's on your... What's on your... What's on your Kindle? What's in your nightstand? What's on your... What's on your Android phone? What's in your hand? What are you reading? What are you reading? And I'm going to start off, Jimmy. I did say I was uh, going to read Neil Patrick Harris's Choose Your Own Autobiography. And that's what I got in my hand right now. Pretty cool. I, I did buy the hardcover. Yeah, Of course, Neil Patrick Harris. He is the bro of all bros on How I Met Your Mother. He was Doogie Howser. He is a, you know, a pop sensation, so to speak, an intelligent and funny guy. And it shows in his uh, Choose Your Own Autobiography, Autobiography. Uh, let me just say, this was fun to read. And I may have to reread bits of it. But uh, it's literally a Choose Your Own Adventure Autobiography by Neil Patrick Harris, NPH himself. Uh, Jimmy... I gotta say that there are the, the some of the alternative like either page, page choose page fifty three to learn uh, you know if you want to go in and do more vaudeville and uh, you know stage stuff 
Go to page 53. If you'd rather continue on uh, television you know, auditions, go to page 110. And the ones that are alt- alternative reality, where it w- not actually his autobiography, do end quickly, and you can tell right away that he's kind of joking with you. And he does give you an option to go back. So it's not like you can't really screw up. That's re- what I was wondering. Is there like yeah. a... Is yeah. there a corrective path that you know? I, I, I use four parts? four bookmarks for this, just in case, so I can read the whole thing. But he does kind of loop back to other things, like he's got drink recipes because he does like to you know drink the hooch. Oh, I've seen some pictures of uh, him like in Cabo and whatnot. Yeah, he's always holding something with with a very thin stemmed glass. Right. right. So, so some of the, the the genius of this book is. That's not like a typical choose-your-own-adventure where if you take a certain path, you'll never go back and read certain parts of the book uh, because he does give you options later on in the book to go back to stuff you skipped before. So uh, quite quickly I learned that I only needed one bookmark. I didn't have to have seven bookmarks to go through all of his text. Uh, you know, you can tell right away when uh, it's, it's, would you like to confront this man at the bar? Well, quite quickly, two pages later, you're dead. So you know that that's alternative reality because NPH hasn't died yet, right? Uh, one of the funniest things, and I, I gotta hit the spoiler here because if you don't want to be spoiled, spoiler alert. He really did have me hook, line, and sinker at one point. If you would like to continue on to where I met two stoners in a fast food joint, <laughs> you, know, you made it. You made it into the book. No. <laughs> I made it to the point where I didn't realize he was talking about the movie Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. <laughs> and oh, if you've ever watched yeah, that, that's a he does play himself as a cocaine-snorting, hooker-banging type person. I, I, I didn't catch it. It was so subtle. It wasn't that subtle, but I was just not paying attention. That It does go into this whole diatribe of where he meets Harold and Kumar. They go to White Castle, and you know the hookers and everything that's in that movie where he portrays himself, supposedly is the storyline in that one tangent of this alternate universe. So I kind of had a laugh. Halfway through, I said, oh my God, this is the plot to Harold and Kumar's movie, and he just led me astray. But if you do go into certain tangents, he does refer you back to other points in the book. So although it is a choose-your-own-adventure, he will lead you back to his drink recipe or the crossword puzzle he has in the middle of it. And it really is an interesting way to go through his life and his uh, choosing of stage and, you know... Uh, he does kind of guide you through Doogie Hauser and the, the life of a child actor where you do have to have your parents within like 100 feet of you at all times. And Yeah, is there any way to have a choose-your-own-adventure book on Audible? It has to be, it has to I, be paper, I right? Don't I don't know. I, I, you know what? Right away I'm going to say I, I do not recommend reading an Audible, Audible because the way this book is set up, the hardcover is set up so perfectly, you can go back and forth. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Cool. And he's got graphics, pictures. It is worth the whatever you pay for the hardcover. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris's Choose Your Own Autobiography. So original. So much fun. I've gone through it once, and I may go back through just in case I missed something. And uh, just what a talent and what a, a perfect format All for right, this man's stop autobiography. Kissing his ass. I'm not kissing his ass, but you know what? <laughs> Uh, he did make a. This is a fun way to read someone's autobiography, and and yes, he's a gay dude who married a man, had uh, you know they adopted twins or two kids. Lots of fun. This is probably uh, 
the most fun I've had reading a, a hardcover all year long. He Check was great out. in Starship Troopers as well. He was too, and he does talk about that as well. He's very he, smarmy. There's not many yeah. people who get away with smarmy and are still likable. Well, he, he was lucky to have one of the roles in uh, Starship Troopers that didn't involve going through like SEAL training. So he shows up on like day 30, the one actor that didn't have to like jump walls and, you know, crawl under, uh, you know, barbed wire fences. And uh, he was lucky, you know, in that way. But really fun to read about his life. And uh, if you want to learn about the life of a child actor, he does uh, teach you a lot about what happened during uh, Doogie Howser and how, his, how much his parents sacrificed to have him on that set and uh, literally have to sit 100 feet or less away from him in a chair and being ignored and basically uh, ignored and you're thought of just, as... A, just like a, filtering off money, just skimming. Yeah. <laughs> no, but as parents, you're basically thought of as a piece of crap on the set. You're like a, a piece of furniture because yeah, you have right. to be there, but no one wants to talk to you. So his poor mother and father had to sacrifice like four or five years of their lives to sit in lawn chairs in Hollywood and just shut up and hear, you know, enjoy the roast beef of the craft service. But well, one, I am reading... <coughs> what are you reading, Jimmy? I am reading The Seven Wonders by Ben Meserick. Ooh. And it is read by uh, Luke Daniels, who I believe... Um, I've, I've heard... I've, I know his voice, and I think I've heard him uh, on... The, what were the books about? I don't know, but we confused him with Anthony Downey's uh, a few times, and he's not C-3PO. He, he, I mean, you, 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 uh, you hear it's, he sort of hypnotizes me, but the book is, you know, it's kind of like a mysterious thing that's going on. It's, uh, I've just got into it. Uh, it ties in the ancient wonders of the world and the modern wonders of the world and a murder. And he's trying to figure out who killed his brother. It was like the opening scene and it's brought him down to, Brazil, where the statue of Christ the Redeemer is, which ties everything together. That's where I'm at. Um, but I've, I've found that it, since I, I read the, the last book, which was um, Andrew Dice Clay, you know, yep, his autobiography, yep. I am really getting into autobiographies and historical stuff, and it's hard for me to do my work or to... You know, fiddle around the house, you know, you know chop wood, and yeah. be listening to a book that is about a story that you really have to pay attention to. Right, right. But when it's about a person or about a historical event, you feel like any little piece that you soak up is is like fulfilling. Now, the good thing about the Audible app is uh, you can you know rewind, of course, in, in certain segments. And one of the greatest features I find about the Audible app, which I think iTunes has adopted is that uh, depending on how long you've left the audiobook alone, the next time you revisit it, the Audible app and now the iTunes app, and I believe a lot of the Android apps, will rewind based on how long you've left the audiobook alone. So if you leave it alone for like uh, half an hour and you come back to it, it'll rewind maybe a minute. Where oh, if, see, it, if you revisit it a month from now, it'll rewind an hour. So it really does take into account how, how long you've been away from the book and rewinds based on your time away from the book. I find that I have to switch between a podcast and an audiobook based on what task I'm doing and how much yeah. concentration yes. I can devote to yeah. the if book. You're, if you're doing I the dishes, like Jimmy, you, you can follow along fine. 
if you're like rewiring a 1972 uh, car, you might have to, you know, turn the audiobook off and listen to it later at night. Just saying. That's where I'm at. But you know, the point is, I I'm gravitating towards more, uh, you know, dry content. I guess I don't know. You know, the the I read the book about, um, you know, I read Walden. That that really didn't require you to yeah. know too many characters. There wasn't so much going on. It's just like you could you could get through that and and feel like if you missed a couple sentences, you didn't realize like in ten minutes. I don't know what happened. I don't I don't know where that come from. You know, you don't even know right. where you lost off at. But yeah. if you you know that's where I'm going. I'm changing the kind of books I'm reading. I'm going to become the autobiography book guy yeah like like well, one you can't really do anything um you know uh thinking intensive while you're doing it you have to i'd be doing the dishes or be in bed at night or have your eyes closed and listening is uh neil stevenson's cryptonomicon at 42 hours and 53 minutes Ooh, that's mm. one you definitely have to focus on or you will be lost <laughs> you should rename that night hall yeah <laughs> Help you get your Z's. Absolutely. Well, let's see what our guests are reading or want to read or used to read. Yeah. Why not? Let's start with Dave. Dave, what are you listening to? Well, actually, I've been uh, reading a book recently. I just started in uh, e-format by a good friend of mine, Carol Ann Harris. The name of the book is Storms, My Life with Lindsay Buckingham and Fleetwood Mac. Nice. She was uh, Lindsay Buckingham's... Uh, Girlfriend. You can go your own way. That's right. That's right. But it's, uh, it's a great book, and it's quite dark and uh, very violent at times. But um, she, uh, she goes into quite detail on, on her life being in the inner circle of Fleetwood Mac. Uh, pretty interesting book. I, like I said, I've just started. I'm only in a few chapters. So She's not but, the one that did the uh, duet with Tom Petty, is she? No, that's uh, Stevie uh, Nicks. Stevie Nicks. Yep. <laughs> All right. Yep. Nice. Nice. And uh, Rodney, narrate yourself in a world where Rodney reads books. What's Rodney reading? I'm in the middle of doing uh, two books right now. Um, one is called Home Again, written by an author, uh, Michael Kenneth Smith. It's a historical fiction uh, set in true history, and then he inserts fictional characters into it. Um, this one happens to be Civil War era, 1859 to about 1863, and it takes uh, two young uh, boys from Tennessee, and uh, one goes uh, to fight for the Union, and the other fights for the Confederacy, and it kind of uh, shows how their paths crossed uh, both uh, early in life and then within the war uh, without either of them knowing it, and then as they went uh, home again after the war was over. Um, the other book I'm reading is uh, a Western um, written by a gentleman named Ben Bridges from the UK, and it's called The uh, uh, Barbed Wire Noose. And it's a, uh, it's a Judge and Dury Western novel. Uh, Sam Judge and Matt Dury are uh, two drifters that uh, basically just take it upon themselves to right wrongs when they see them. And this particular uh, book... Uh, places them in the middle of a uh, range war between uh, cattlemen and uh, sheep herders. Nice. 
You know, they they're not making a lot of a lot of uh, westerns into m- movies anymore. No. And when you talk about that um, that scenario right there, it reminds me of the movie Open Range. Yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot like it. Cool. Yeah, I can dig that. that. Right here, one of the next books I've got coming up is actually an an old Zane Gray book called The Last Trail. And I'm sitting here looking at the cover of two guys on horses, like just uh, just in relief, you know, no detail. And I'm sitting there listening to you say it and looking at the cover, and it's like I'm watching the movie. Just yeah. keep talking about it. <laughs> and that's and that's my goal. <laughs> hey guys, we're yep. gonna come back. We are gonna talk about mybrothersbooks.com, David. But uh, no, normally we start off with book news, and l- let's get through the book yeah. news. Then we'll talk about your brother's books for sure. Book news. Just timely news, Jimmy. I know all this crap is going down in your country, in the United, the United States of America, with uh, Ferguson and whatnot. And let's not get into the whole political uh, aspect of this, but <coughs> the Ferguson Public Library, which stayed open through all that crap, is in need of your support, folks. And uh, I, I, this is one story that I'm you know, passionate about, Jimmy. Uh, I've always said that people that are into violence and, and whatnot, it's because they haven't read enough books. Let's be honest. The more Bix, books, uh, Bix, the more Bix a human being reads the less likely they are to set stuff on fire. And, True. Uh, and, and the Ferguson Public Library is obviously doing a huge public service by providing free books and book lending to the, the citizens of Ferguson. And they did stay open and thankfully did not burn down during this whole scenario. But they are in need, apparently, of primarily children's books. But they are accepting adult books as well. As long as you mark on your donation they are an adult book, not for children... You can send as well. I know a lot of authors listen to our show. So I'm going to give out their address. And let's do this again. It's not Christmas time yet, Jimmy. We're not doing the Christmas drive for the soldiers. But here it is. Authors, especially our children's authors. And if you're not a children's author, that's fine. Mark your package, not children's book. They do have adults that need books as well. There, obviously. Here's the address. Send your books here. Ferguson Public Library. Attention, Scott Bonner. It's B-O-N-N-E-R. At 35 North Florissant Road. F-L-O-R-I-S-S-A-N-T Road. Ferguson, I believe it's Missouri, Jimmy, M-O? That's correct. Sure. Uh, zip code is 63135. And send it from Book Guys Show or throw Book Guys Show somewhere on your package. Send it to the Ferguson Public Library. Attention, Scott Bonner, 35 North Florissant Road, Florissant Road. Florissant Ferguson, Road. Missouri, Missouri, 63135. Please send them all the books you can, authors. I know some of you have extra books, extra hardcovers sitting in the, in the garage. Send them to that library. They need it. And uh, believe me, books makes a difference in everyone's life. And really, uh, I hate to say it this way. It's going to sound condescending and maybe rude, but books do civilize the human animal and the, the human person. And I think books uh, do much more than social programs. They do much more than television shows. Folks, turn them off. Turn off your television. Really. Books not only open minds, books open doors. They do. They do. Please, uh, they need it more than anyone else right now. Send them the books so the children in Ferguson can 
expand their minds, expand their horizons, find a fantasy world, uh, learn certain words, and just in general experience more than the world than they do in, in their day-to-day lives. And the Ferguson Library needs their support. Thankfully, it's still standing, wasn't burned down, and it was well defended, and it's still there, and they need your help. Please donate. Just saying. Well, I have a little bit of book news. Um, you know, we, I think we both get, um, we get audiobooks from Audible, and we also get them from their partner company, Brilliance Audio, Yes, that, uh, that very generously sends us books that we, we request. Uh, I, I have taken to getting mine delivered in MP3 format, which means if you get uh, what's the giant? Right. Well, yeah, you, what's you, the giant see, book you keep talking about from S- Stephen King? Oh, there, there, how many? There's like there's dozens. Oh, the last one, eleven twenty two sixty three. Yeah, that would have been like a twenty CD audiobook. Y- yeah, you get it. You get it on one one CD. Right, right. Yeah. So I, I get them like that because I my the cheap little fifty dollar radio that I put in my twenty year old truck. Yeah. It will play an MP3 CD if, if I want to put it in. Yeah, my and, and I, I play a lot of the CD audiobooks I get, Jimmy, in my room at night. But I can't what? carry them around because I, I have found nowhere to stuff that CD into my uh, phone. <laughs> well, I have been I've been getting them in MP3 format for for reasons of convenience. Yeah, so much more and convenient. Space. Right? So when I'm done, you know, I read the book. We talk about it on the show. And they even send a little note inside the package that says, these books are complimentary. They are yours to do with as yep. you wish. So Absolutely. I, I'll loan them to, sometimes to uh, friends. And if nobody's interested in them, I would take them to our local Ed McKay uh, bookstore. And it's a used bookstore, and they, they have a big audiobook section. Absolutely. When I first went in there, they, they wouldn't take them. They said, oh, no, it's an MP3 CD. And I said, oh, I said, all the new cars play these. You know, right. you put it in a computer, yeah. it plays it. Absolutely. So they started. They they started taking them from me. Yeah, like uh, like I, last year, Jimmy, at Christmas, I, I I couldn't find a place to put all my, uh, you know, uh, some of them were unlistened to because I think it's a conspiracy by uh, Audible and Brilliance that they send me, you know, books on CD, and I, I end up buying them off Audible anyways because uh, you know I'd rather spend, you know, ten bucks and buy it off Audible then spend the 10 hours to convert these CDs to MP3 format. So a lot exactly. of them, were, they were still wrapped in shrink wrap. And my local library didn't want them because they said, well, no one reads you know, audiobooks on CD anymore. So I did contact, uh, you remember last year, I contacted our armed forces, Canadian armed forces, and they said, well, you know what? A lot of soldiers do bring laptops with CD players, and we'd love them. And I, I donated about $4,000 worth of uh, audiobooks to the Canadian uh, Army, Four soldiers in theater, meaning, you know, Afghanistan and wherever they are. And they did accept them graciously. And uh, this year, they're not really accepting audiobooks. So uh, I don't know where to put them. Jimmy, maybe I could, uh, I'm going to donate them to Ferguson. Well, I went in yesterday uh, with a couple of books that I just finished. And they said, well, we're no longer accepting these. Right. They said, you're the only one bringing them in here. And, we've, yeah. and people have bought them. And like little old ladies get it and they stick it in their... You know their uh, their Oldsmobile CD player and it won't play, <laughs> right? And and so they're not going to take them anymore. So you well, know, let's just say this, Jimmy: album. the CD player is not a dying format; it's dead. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, no CD players aren't dying, but 
if you get a new car that's made like after 20, uh, 10, 20, 11, anything like that, right. they'll play MP3 CDs. Well, well Jimmy, the whole thing is, uh, guys, and David, maybe you can uh, you know vouch for me on this. There are no rechargeable battery CD, portable CD Walkmans anymore. There no. never were. You know, the, no, the CD. Yeah, the CD predates the rechargeable format. So, so the, the amount of money I'd have to spend on recharging uh, batteries or buying, uh, you know, double A's, it's cheaper right. for me to buy the book on Audible on my Android phone. That's right. I actually have the very first portable Walkman CD player that had skip protection on it. Hey, no. <laughs> Made by Philips, and it nice. still works, but it is quite bulky. It takes two double A's, and I think to get through an audiobook, it it'll probably cost you as much as you paid for the audiobook and batteries. All right. <laughs> hey, and Jimmy, and we're, we're kind of short on book news, but I have two websites I want to hand out to our listeners. The first one being, if Booktender. you have... Booktender.com. Booktender.com. If you want to see what's trending on Twitter, and I know all the news uh, stations do it now, because it's an easy way to look at the zeitgeist, the, you know, the group mind, the group it's like think. an aggregator? Yeah, it's, it's an a- aggregation of all the books being talked about on Twitter at any one given point, uh, and it's daily, I believe. Book, booktender, T-E-N-D-E-R.com, the top books on Twitter for the day. So if you want to see what the zeitgeist, what the, the group think is thinking of books, this is it. I have a shitty uh, German accent, sorry. That's not bad for a Portuguese guy. I I try, I try. (laughs) Booktender.com, check it out. They have a great list of today's trending books on Twitter and a great way to find out what everyone's talking about. Uh, Second uh, link is, if you have a Kindle and you want to find some free books to put on it, openlibrary.org.org. Over 100,000 books for free and not all of them are, you know, uh, Sherlock Holmes uh, there's uh, some modern books on there as well. Openlibrary.org, 100,000 books for free that you can directly load onto your Kindle device. And I do recommend, folks, the new Kindle, the latest one. Go to Amazon.com or .ca or .jp or .au, wherever country you're in. The newest, uh, the Kindle Paperwhite is worth it. I've seen one in my hand, and I am regretting buying my Kindle Paperwhite when I did. The resolution is above or equal to a, a hardback. And I'm now thinking about selling my Kindle Paperwhite and getting one of those. What's it weigh? Is it less than a pound? <laughs> well, they've increased the resolution to, to that of like a, an iPad, uh, you know, iPad no, Air. But what's, it, what's it weigh? What's the device weigh? Is it less than a pound? I think it weighs, yeah, it weighs a little bit more than a pound. It weighs a little bit more than the one I have, but you don't see the pixels. It's uh, on par with a paperback. Well, that's good. It saves on the eye strain. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, even my Kindle saves on the ice cream because it's not direct light. And normally what I do is I turn the light off on my Kindle. I, I turn on my book reading light, the same one I use for hardcovers, and I can read for hours. Whereas, of course, if you're reading a book on your phone, on your tablet, the light is coming directly to your eyes, and it, it, you can't do it for more than an hour. Yeah, especially not when you're trying to go yeah. to sleep. It just it, it really burns your retinas up. Yeah, no, you, you need to have a, like a, a little lamp. Buy your nightstand and uh, and get the the newest Kindle Paperwhite is worth it, and especially with the uh, organizations like OpenLibrary.org, where you can download so many great classic books and uh, some new books as well. And folks, don't forget, go to your local library. Even if you know, I had the mindset that was, 
I work for a living. I can afford my own books. Why would I go on and touch you know, books that have been handled by thousands of people? I can afford $10 and buy my own book. That was my it's, attitude, Jimmy. But It's cheaper than buying rubber gloves. Well, yeah, but, but you know what? You don't have to handle a used book. Even if you're a foo-foo like I was thinking, oh, well, I can buy my own books. I can afford $10. No, 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 no. Go to your local library. Get your library card from your local library, and most of them do have agreements and have an online site like Toronto does, like I'm sure in North Carolina they do. Have Maybe one day. an online site where you can go online using your library card and download books directly to your Kindle, digital books that you can borrow. And sometimes you do have to wait a week or two because they, they have a finite amount of copies of a certain book. And as soon as someone, quote, returns, unquote, the book, the digital book to the library, then you'll, you're next in line, you'll get the book, whether it's Harry Potter or Stephen King or, you know, whoever, really. I think, I think people forget about libraries these days. And that's a good, I'm glad I, and you And I honestly think, Jimmy, a lot of people have the mindset I have, which was I can buy my own books. I don't want to have, you know, borrow a used book. But go to the library once, get your card. Now you have access to the online site and you can download books at no cost to you, to your Kindle, and you can read it and, you know, to your device. And you don't have to touch a used book if you're worried about that. And you don't have to go to the library every week. As soon as you have that library card, you can take out these digital books and read them at your leisure on your Kindle. That is a great tip brought to you by the book guys. That's right. And we're going to take Before a, we go to break. Yeah, before we do, yes. I just want to say I am very excited. It's, it seems as I look at the show notes, this may be one of the first Doctor Who free episodes <laughs> in quite some time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. And when we come back, we're going to speak with our guests. Yes, and David and Rodney, for sure, David. Yes, sir. Rodney. Yes, sir. When we come back, we will talk about my brother's books. David's brother? Who's David's brother? <clears throat> Stay tuned, constant listeners, constant readers. Is Are they viewers? Back. Well, they're not viewers this week, but they were last week on uh, Padre's Corner. All right, so we'll table that for now. We'll table the viewer thing. So stay tuned, constant readers. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Colin Ferguson. I play Sheriff Jack Carter on Eureka, and you're listening to The Book Guys. Book Guys. Bam! And we're back with David Ricklin. Rodney himself, Sir Jimmy, and myself. Now, now, David, the website we're talking about this week is called mybrothersbooks.com. Now, I've got to ask you, who's your brother? Where does he live? And what's the pizza like there? Uh, well, first of all, the pizza's horrible. So we might as well not even go there. <laughs> but uh, my brother is Roger Erickson. And Roger lives in a little town called Hakotapec. And that's in south-central Mexico, south of Guadalajara. Oh, and uh, he moved down there a few years ago, retired, and decided that uh, he needed to live somewhere where he could live comfortably on Social Security. So uh, he lives down there with a bunch of uh, Canadians and Americans and Brits. And uh, I'm considering it myself, David. You know, if I sell my crappy house in downtown Toronto, I could yeah. probably buy a mansion in Mexico and live for the rest of my life. Oh, absolutely. You can live very comfortably <laughs> on very. Little I could do money the book I show as a living. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You could. 
So anyway, I was down there visiting him, and we got talking. I told him I wanted to write a book about the little town we both grew up in because all the weird people live there. And he said, well, why don't you let me write it for you? He said, I've always wanted to write a book. And uh, so he started to write this book, and he found out that he loved to write, and he wasn't bad at it. So in the last two years, he's churned out about 24 novels and I don't know how many short stories. Good God. And uh, just that's all he does all day long is writes. Fantastic. And what's your involvement here with mybrothersbooks.com? Well, are, you, are you his uh, promotion guy? Or? I'm, well, I'm sitting there and I'm watching him, him write every day, and I'm starting to read what he's writing, and it's not bad. And I told him, I says, well, why don't we publish this? And he said, I don't know how to do that. All I know how to do is tell stories. And I said, well, let me, let me do it. And he goes, I'll tell you what. He says, I'll give you the rights to everything that I write. He said, you publish it. You do whatever you want to do with it. He said, they're yours. And so I first started on uh, Amazon and published the books there and then uh, started to put them on, uh, go to ACX and put them on Audible. I put them out for audition, and fortunately, uh, Rodney uh, auditioned. And we had several people actually audition for the books, but once I heard his voice, I said, oh, my God, this guy is the one, you know. And I he writes say, a I'm, lot of uh, uh, historic fiction. I'm looking yeah. at uh, uh, Tommy Redfeather's page on uh, Audible, which is one of his books, of course. We're going to talk about that in a bit. But uh, people who bought this also bought, and including that list is Louis L'Amour, who's, of course, America's storyteller. And uh, that's quite a, a great company to be in, is it not? Yeah. It's yeah. funny that you say that because at work I brought up to a, a few coworkers. You know, I've only been at this job, you know, less than six months. And I said, you know, I, I do a podcast about books and that I get a lot of books from publishers and whatnot. And I had two people say, do you, do you got any Louis L'Amour books? Yeah. <laughs> so this is like three times this week. So Yeah, so, so Audible's algorithm uh, is, of course, seeing that there's some uh, – Connectivity between Louis L'Amour and uh, and uh, David's brother Roger, so yep. that's that's a good sign right off the bat, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of becoming a family affair. My son, who is a uh, graphic artist, uh, said, "Hey, you know what? <clears throat> I could do book covers for you guys." Nice. And uh, so now he's starting. He not only does book covers for me. Obviously, he hasn't done most of the ones that I did myself, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, he did the last one I did, uh, Settling the Snake. He did that one for us. And now he's starting to do uh, book covers for all kinds of authors. Now, so, Ro- uh, Rodney, the, the good news is here, uh, Rodney, is uh, my bandwidth has, uh, or Audible's bandwidth has uh, fixed since we started the show. And I can actually play the sample from Audible. And uh, in the break, we did determine it was a good spot in the book. Yeah, it's fine. Because sometimes Audible does pick a random spot in the book. Well, the the beauty of of ACX is as the producer and narrator, I get to pick the retail sample. So, uh, it, what you're what you're going to play yeah. is the retail sample I picked. Yeah, that's the whole thing, and I, we keep telling authors this and narrators: if you can, please pick the section of the book. Tell Audible they will play that that as the sample and in the on their website. Otherwise. I believe their algorithm or their computer just picks something at random. As a general rule, I pick the first five minutes of the book. Um, that's where the author generally is introducing characters and sets the stage. And about five minutes when you stop, that's where the listener says to yeah. themselves, boy, I really need to hear more of this. Right. Yeah, and usually I believe the first couple sentences in the book 
is where an editor or someone who picks which books get published uh, decides. Because they've got 500 books on their table. Sure. So if they read the first three sentences, they don't like it, they just chuck it to the, the, the slush pile. So let us, Rodney, Roger, David, let's play a little bit of Tommy Redfeather right off the Audible site like this. Duke, the old mixed breed hound stiffened at my side, hackles raised. A low growl came from somewhere deep inside him. He had turned around and was facing the opposite direction from the scent he had been following. We had been tracking what I thought to be a weasel that had been raiding our henhouse almost every night. It took me a moment to realize that Duke was facing home. As I wondered what could be wrong there, I heard two gunshots in rapid succession. Both my mother and father were at the farmstead and didn't have a firearm. My stomach churned at the thought of what could have happened. We lived in an area of Ogle County, Illinois, that was called the Stingy Slough. It was so named because the circuit-riding preachers claimed that the stingy Norwegian immigrants who lived in the area rarely put much, if anything, in the collection plate. As I neared the building site, I slipped into a small pine grove to remain unseen until I determined what action to take. Duke wanted to charge headlong into whatever was there, but... I didn't want to alert anyone to my presence. I held him back, much to his dismay. I had entered the pine grove from the west. As I sneaked up to the east side, which was the nearest to the buildings, I saw my worst fears come to pass. What appeared to be my parents lie on the ground, apparently dead. Nick Brody, in one of the group known as Pirates of the Prairie, stood calmly reloading a brace of dueling pistols. I called his name. As he turned to face in my direction, I shot him in the stomach with my fifty caliber Hawken rifle. And we're going to pause it right there. We don't want to spoil too much, but wonderful. Just wonderful. Tell, tell us a little bit about that story, David. Well, all of the stories contain characters uh of where we grew up and uh, some of the names have been changed most of the people are dead so he used their names but uh, you know it, it's a, it's a great story um, I don't want to give away too much it's uh, <laughs> yeah no no don't, don't don't spoil it let folks uh, check it yeah. out on audible no, no but the, the nice thing is is everything in my brother's books are historically accurate it's just a fictional book yeah uh, but, uh, you know, as people listen to it, uh, as Rodney reads it, you know, the description of the guns, the weaponry, everything uh, is period. And, and a lot of research has gone into it to make sure that when someone's listening, they don't, you know, cry bullshit and say, oh, wait a minute, they didn't have right. that back then. Yeah. So it's... it's no, I, I got to ask you, uh, is that a lot of the research being done by your brother, yourself, or is there like uh, some people that help you out? Nope, all done by him. Nice. Yeah, I gave him a computer a few years ago, and uh, even though he still doesn't know how to use it, he does know how to find Google. And, uh, you know, one of my favorite websites, uh, David, is when people ask me a stupid question, I, I, I send them the answer, but I go to lmgtfy.com, which is letmegoogletthatforyou.com. 
So what you do is you go to lmgtfy.com, type in the search parameter, and it gives you a link that you can then send to your friend who is asking, how do I put, you know, hardwood floor down on stairs? And you just type that in. How do I put hardwood floor down on stairs? And you send the link to them that uh, lmgtfy.com gives you. And it kind of, it's like a, hello, <laughs> Google it yourself. And what, what happens is it gives you a link and you send it to your friend. And what it does, it brings up Google and a little tiny cursor slowly goes to the search bar, slowly types in the search Oh, I love it. And then it brings up the search. <laughs> so I love it. It's, a, it's just a great way. If someone asks you a dumb question on the internet, let them Google it for you. Yeah. But, but uh, that's great. So your brother does all the research. It's all based on uh, places that you know. Right. And, and uh, of course, you found Rodney through ACX, which yeah. is a great service, by the way, folks. Oh. If you're an author and you, you don't, you don't want to uh, narrate, if you're not Scott Sigler and you, know, you, know, you don't have the personality or the the voice or the the gumption or just you know some people just can't narrate something that's fine and they're brilliant writers like stephen king should never narrate anything he does ever but he does pretty well as a writer uh acx helps you connect with uh, an audiobook narrator like rodney turner and uh, a great service acx.com folks sign up if you're an author looking for uh you know a narrator a great way to go am i wrong here rodney no, it's a. Uh, there's actually. Um, I can't tell you how many narrators are out there waiting to waiting to narrate books and. Absolutely. Um, there's just uh, matter of fact. If I go to the site right now and put producers for hire, it'll tell me there's twenty eight thousand six hundred and sixty four wow. available. Wow, wow, and, and brilliant narrators. And and Rodney, I love to, I love to ask always. Sure. Um, when did you start narrating? When was your first narration? Uh, my first book narration was this uh, past March. Um, I uh, had another job, uh, retired in October of 2013, and um, I have been uh, uh, trying to get into the voiceover business for about eight years. Um, most of that, the first six to seven years, was uh, dealing with uh, figuring out what the business was about, um, figuring out exactly uh, what I didn't know. Uh, so that I could make myself know it, and then um, it, finding out where my niche would be in the business. Um, right now, um, I took a class for uh, specifically designed to teach me how to use ACX because I, I thought I'd like to try my hand at narrating books. Um, and before that class was over, after I put my profile up, I actually got offered uh, from a rights holder the uh, opportunity to do um, his book without even auditioning um, and it kicked off from there and I've been doing probably four and five books a month for the last uh, well since since March nice and, and I gotta ask you uh, technically uh, and we love to give some inf- inside info inside baseball to folks sure um, as far as when you started recording uh, how much have you learned as far as the technical aspect and how much has your booth changed, your actual recording space? Because, I mean, we've talked to Gabrielle DeCure, who is a award-winning over at Skyboat Media. I mean, she did the help. She's done the Ender series, and she's just a wonderful lady, a wonderful person, and uh, has wonderful uh, you know, narrators like Scott Brick working for her, and she's worked with you know, Orson Scott Cart. And they've got what they call their TARDIS, which is a tiny... You know, audiobook, uh, you know, studio 
which is basically the size of a police phone box. And uh, of course, they've learned a lot about sound baffling and, and, and you know, software and whatnot. Well, may I ask if that's possible, what software you use and, and some sure. of the tips uh, you have for a home I, studio? Yeah, I can just tell you what's in my studio. I use an iMac. Um, yep. and, uh, I have a Neumann U87, uh, that I talk through and it's, uh, connected through to a Grace M101, uh, um, mic preamp and a, um, uh, Mackie 802 VL, uh, 24, um, mixer and through a, uh, fast track interface, M audio interface, and it all kind of connects together. I got George Whittem from, uh, uh, Edge Studios and Ewabs uh, out in California to uh, Skype with me to help me connect it all to make it right. Nice. Um, I, uh, my studio, as you said, has taken on probably three or four different iterations. It's probably yeah. not more than five feet by five feet. Um, I built it myself in my home. Um, and because I'm lucky enough to uh, have retired uh, from a really uh, good job, um, I'm fortunate enough, uh, unlike uh, a lot of my voiceover peers, I don't have to worry about uh, how much money I'm making because all my ends meet. Um, yeah. A lot of people that get in this, get in the voiceover business, they they struggle with trying to make ends meet because they're working a full time job at the same time. But yeah. I will tell you that the only reason I was able to kick it off so hard was because I was retired. I retired in October of 2013. Uh, I took this class starting in February of, of this past year, uh, and because I did not have to interrupt my education because I was going to my full-time job, um, I was able to concentrate on this and it made it a lot easier for me to actually get into it. But I use um, Audacity for all my, um, my as my DAW and um, um, it's, it's a very simple process that uh, I was taught by a gentleman named David H. Lawrence the 17th um, from California and uh, he is a remarkable instructor and teacher uh, and uh, has become a remarkable friend and um, through him and a gentleman named Dan O'Day um, out in uh, California as well. Uh, they taught this class over uh, probably four to six weeks every Monday, every Wednesday and uh, gave us you know, tasks to do, uh, whether it be building our profile or creating demos on our own and teaching us exactly what the ins and outs of uh, narrating uh, an audiobook is all about uh, how to deal with rights holders, how um, to uh, talk to them, how to help them and become a partner with them in their success so that you too are successful in uh, um, in what you're doing. So it's uh, it's been a great ride and I am going to continue doing this as uh, long as the good Lord allows me to do so. Excellent. And, and Ronnie, one of the things I've been told about uh, Audacity uh Although it has a lot of killer features, I know that it's you know uh, you can get it for free. You can buy the pro version, but you can get it for free. And you know it's got a lot of plugins as far as uh, sound processing that you can add to it. But I'm told that the the biggest feature it has for an audiobook narrator is the ability to, I believe it's option Z, to undo your last recording. Yeah, you can. And it goes right back to the like if you start a sentence and you, you you know you f it up. You can just yeah. go uh, Command Z and start again from that spot, and it kind of helps you uh, to edit while you're narrating. Am I wrong here? Or? No, you can do that, but uh, it's actually even simpler than that. Uh, the way that David teach it, teaches it, um, if you just use the keys F for fast forward, uh, 
or for record. Um, that's really all you need to know. Wow. Because um, if you make a, make a mistake, you hit the space bar to stop, you hit F to fast forward, then you hit the R button and record and begin recording again where you messed up. Nice. Then when you get to the end of your chapter, you then start from the end and edit backwards, and you will always Wonderful. fix your mistake. It's kind of like a stair-step pro- process, and it's, um, it's very simple. It's cut my editing time down from what used to be. Yeah, and you know what? How, how how intense is your editing process? Because uh, you know what, Audible has lifted a little bit. Not of their, well, they have lifted kind of a bit of their sound quality uh, threshold. Because I have heard some really poor, let's say piss poor quality audiobooks on on Audible now, where you can hear like the guys' uh, children playing in the background or you know, the door <laughs> slamming. Where you know, but, but honestly, yeah. before they would uh, disqualify yeah. you for that. And uh, we've had we've heard different uh, uh, mics. Uh, just uh, you know, uh, sure. the guy will go back and edit one word into the thing, and and he sounds yeah. like a completely different person because he yeah. changed his sound quality. So Audible's kind of lifted it a bit, and we've got a lot of brilliant audiobooks out of that. That's fine. I, I appreciate that that we we have more quantity of of great books that are now on Audible. But uh, what do you think? Like, how do you deal with uh, the the audio uh, editing well, process? At first, when you read the the audio um, requirements from ACX, it looks to be very daunting and very intimidating. Yes, yes. But if if you start with a quiet place to narrate, yeah, and your and your sound floor is is quiet, then everything else takes care of itself. Um, that's the most important thing. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to live out here on the farm, so. Uh, I, my closest neighbors are over a half mile away, so I don't. So if there's anybody running the uh, yard equipment, it's me, and I'm not in the booth, so yeah. I don't have to worry about it. Um, yeah. You know, I I know I have peers that complain about their next door neighbor running the blower, or uh, you know, rick, running the lawnmower, or raking the leaves, or the neighbor is you know having an addition built on and they can't you know get any quiet. I don't have any of that problem. I'm lucky, and um, I was fortunate enough uh, when George assisted me. Uh, to listen to my uh, audio um, and help me do what was necessary to make sure that my sound floor was quiet. So, now, how, how, start, how big is your room, uh, Rodney? How big is the room? Because I keep being told that you you gotta you gotta narrate inside a closet, and I'm claustrophobic, so I can't do that. Well, you can. I mean, my my space is five feet by five feet, and okay. it's probably about seven and a half feet tall. Um, but I sit to do all my narration. I'm sitting right now and. What I'm doing right now in talking to you is exactly what I do when I'm reading a book. Robbie, yeah, let I, me ask you, you this. You sound great. Uh, without going into what you did before this, okay? Um, did you have much computer experience? And because you you seem thoroughly knowledgeable about all the systems and the programs, was there a big learning curve trying to get into this? Um, the, the the only real learning curve is to to un, is understanding. Uh, the software. When, uh, um, I took a course um, before I retired with uh, um, Nashville had a branch of the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. And I took an eight-week course with them at night. Um, and they taught me Adobe Audition. Um, and I and going through their course, their instructors taught me what I needed to know about Thanks. recording software and editing. So I learned most of the simple phrases of cut and paste and edit and um, the amplifying and 
normalizing and things of this nature um, and learning what they were. Once um, I got out on my own and uh, I was stuck with Adobe Audition until, uh, quite frankly, until David uh, convinced me that Audacity was the way to go. And I know a lot of my friends use Twisted Wave. They love that. I know that's a, uh, a real popular program. Um, Audacity is the one I happen to use. Uh, it, I think what what generally makes people successful is for them to use what's comfortable for them and what they yeah. know so that their edit, editing time is lower. When I started out in March, my editing time with Audacity was probably close to almost three and a half hours for one finished hour of audio. Yeah. But as I've worked through it, I'm down now to probably closer to two to two, two hours and And, and, and we're told, Rodney, that that's about standard. It's two to one. Yeah. 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 Now, now yeah. I'm, I'm in a room 50 by 20, and it's a tin can. That's why I have, I have a noise limiter. So when I don't talk, you don't hear right. the, the metallic tinny noise. But, uh, Jimmy, hate to tell you, we're going to take a, a week off next week because I am going to disassemble the studio. It's going back into my bedroom, which is nice and soft, full of sound baffling now. I've... I've uh, I've installed the sound baffling, so I will be back to a cleaner sound. And I'm going to try to talk uh, my wife into switching chairs with me because I get tired of hitting the mute button every time I want to shift my chair. Cause, yeah. <laughs> oh, and there goes my phone. So, too much ambient noise here, definitely. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, yeah. I can dig what you say. The smaller the space, tighten it up. Yeah. So ACX.com. Check it out, folks. Whether you're a narrator or an author or brother of an author, right, David? That's right. And uh, you can connect with a narrator. Well, actually, I've started to write my own stories, so it's on my website. Is it also on mybrothersbook.com? Yes, sir. It's up in the top. It's called uh, Two-A-Day Workout. You you, you never know. Rodney might narrate it for you. (laughs) (laughs) So so what's the uh, first story that's on the website? Uh, let's see. The first story, I think we were, the, the latest release I usually put up at the top, which is uh, Settling the Snake. Um, that one has not hit Audible yet. Uh, but all of Rodney's work is on there, and there's links to, you know, you click on any one of the books on there, and it'll take you right to Audible. Excellent. And it's mybrothersbook.com. You go to audible.com. Yep. Yeah, mybrothersbooks.com. You go to Audible, search for David Erickson, E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N. Yep, actually search for Roger Erickson because it, you know, yeah. it's, it typically goes to the author first. Absolutely. Search yeah. for Roger Erickson, E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N, and narrated by J. Rodney, R-O-D-N-E-Y, Turner, as in Tina, or Ike. You want some cake, baby? And uh, Tommy Redfeather, six hours and 15 minutes, unabridged. And you can get it for free. If you haven't tried it yet, come on. Most of you have. But if you haven't, you go to audibletrial.com slash bookguys and you get it for free. And, and you know what? The Ericsons and, and Rodney still get paid. Isn't that great? At audible.com. And guys, would you stick around for a couple more minutes? We have some comic book stories to get through. And uh, maybe one books on film and television. And then we'll say goodbye to the nice folks at home, the constant readers. Cool. So we're gonna hit the comic books. Jimmy, Professor Allen's not here, so we gotta take up the the flag. Oh. Comic yeah. books, comic comic books. books, comic books, comic books. Oh, this is a quickie. I just found this on, on Reddit. Talking about Patrick Stewart. Pat's he calls himself Pat Stewart. 
talks about his X-Men appearance, and uh, he kind of didn't want to do a comic book uh, movie. But then uh, the assistant to the lady at, uh, I believe it's Fox, that was doing the X-Men movies, she said, well, would you like to be Fre- Professor X? And he said, I've never read a comic book. I don't know who that is. So she kind of went to her desk, opened her desk drawer, pulled out an X-Men comic, slapped it on the table and said, take a look at that. So Pat Stewart looked down and said, why the hell am I on a comic book cover? <laughs> and she said, exactly. And we'll talk a bit about that a little bit more next week with Professor Allen. But Patrick Stewart actually looked at the comic book and said, that's me in a wheelchair. I am interested. There you go. Second book, uh, Jimmy, we were talking about comic books and other hooks by uh, Manfred Volte. Uh, it was two weeks ago where uh, comic books could help children get reading. Well, it turns out that there's a, a lady, Red Bank regional teacher, has turned graphic novels, which is a fancy way of saying, uh, you know, young adult comic books, she's turned into a popular course. Sarah Van Ness said to a class last week, before continuing her lesson, that she, she wasn't one on Shakespeare or Hemingway, but rather comics and superheroes, and right away her class was involved in the story. And she has started an entire new series, and you look at a picture of her on the website. I'll put it in the show notes. And she looks like one of the students. I mean, she looks young. But she has got the students so involved in Wall Township, wherever the hell that is. Uh, she, uh, you know, she, she did her sophomore year at Monmouth University. Again, wherever the hell that is. But using graphic novels, she has got another whole slew of young adults into reading. And of course, graphic novels are, you know, they're like the... The, the, the cocaine, you know, for kids. They get the kids into reading, and then next thing you know, they're picking up Hemingway. And a wonderful thank you, my dear Sarah Van Ness, for getting more children into reading using stuff like Watchmen to get kids into reading. Brilliant, and again, reinforces the, the message behind comic books and other hooks that if you give children a reason to read, they will read, they will enjoy and they will continue and become constant readers for the rest of their lives. Beautiful. Paul, you said graphic novels, and that got me thinking about graphics. Yeah. And, you know, we have, um, we got these book gentlemen on here. We do. Writers, brothers of writers, audiobook narrators. But if you've got a real book, you have to have a cover for it, right? You're right. Yeah, you do. You, you know, and 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 Jimmy, you need, no, no, you need a graphic designer. You do. Someone you do. to come up with your cover to take your vision. And who's going to do that, Jimmy? I, I'd like to say everyone. This is a it's a long URL, but it's Taylor E. Ricks on artwork.com. Taylor, hang on. Give the give the URL again. Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R-E, Ricks, R-I-C-K-S, on artwork. Taylor E. Ricks on artwork.com. And you can see some of the work this young man's doing. I think maybe uh, Dave could elaborate a little bit more, but I'm looking at some of the work on here, and uh, very professional, very uh, profound and eye-catching. Yeah, he's uh, he's a Photoshop genius, and... Uh you know, I, I do a lot of work. Actually, I do a lot of playing on Facebook. That's kind of my playground. And I've connected with hundreds and hundreds of other authors. And uh, they've discovered Taylor. 
and uh, now they're starting to have him do their book covers because number one, he's easy to work with. He can do anything. I mean, he can literally do anything on face on uh, uh, Photoshop. Yeah, yeah. And, he does ebooks uh, and print books, right? Yep, yep. Nice, absolutely. A lot of the a lot of the authors have their books printed, so he does it in a format so they can be sent directly to the printer from him. And, you know, he's doing business cards and corporate logos and all kinds of things. But he's found his niche with uh, with uh, books because, actually, as as the old saying goes, you do judge a book by its cover. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean David. I mean, we used to ju- judge a book by its spine because uh, you know uh, bo- right. bookstores were were chock full of books and uh, more than normal. Uh, maybe other than the ten featured ones that were you know in a pile somewhere. They were all judged by their spine, and you'd pick them up and you'd read, leaf through them. But on Amazon.com and iTunes and Android, you're looking at the book cover, period. Right. You can't see the spine. You can't really dig into it unless you click on the book cover. So if the book cover is just like a plain blue with a you know yellow text, you might not click on it. Yeah, but you can't. You can't. Just, yeah. you can't change your name to Stephen Kent. Right. Just hoping that you're going to get next to the Stephen King books. You right. got to got to grab people's eyes. The, bo- the book cover now nowadays is uh, you're, you're looking at it on your Kindle, which is in black and white, or on your uh, computer, and it's like a, you know two inches by one inch, and it has to grab the audience. So sorry, David. Please continue. I'm sorry. No, no, no that's quite all right. That's quite all right. No, but you know he he can do it. You know, uh, lot, he's been doing a lot of books now. He he, he makes them look three dimensional. He does the the spine. He does the back cover. Uh, you know, they can have it any way they want, um, Facebook banners, you know, things like that. And, and uh, he's just branching out right now. He's starting to do website design. So um, he's actually building websites for people. So, Just looking at some of these book covers, like you said, that they, they do jump out at you. Just sitting here on my iPad looking at the Lost City, the King's Inheritance, so yeah. they, they look like, like they're embossed. Yeah, yeah. Whether they are or not, I don't know, but they look like they are. And if they look like that on an iPad screen, I can only imagine what they look like in your hand. You know, Jimmy, in the 80s, you'd look at, uh, you'd be at the 7-Eleven, and uh, it was all based on name recognition. So, uh, like Stephen King's It would be, uh, you know, he, he would always have his name in the same font, right? And it would take up uh, maybe 50% of the book cover would be Stephen King. Right. And then you'd see... It like I mean I believe the first edition of it on on uh, paperback and hardcover just had the word it in the same font, but you can't do that anymore on Amazon. You have to have a lively cover and artwork that you know attracts attention because we're not down to like those five guys that uh, and they usually were guys, but you know the four guys and the one lady that were you know promoted at the store. But now we're at Amazon where. It doesn't matter who you are. As long as your book is popular and you have the right ratings, crowdsourced ratings, you're going to be at the top. You're going to be in the list. You have to have that cover that you know really brings your attention to it. And I, I believe now that the cover is more important than it ever was. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, I designed all the covers myself in... Uh in uh, I forget what the heck I even did them in from you know, the first few books. And they were pathetic, you know, and... and <laughs> Now that he's starting to redo the covers, the sales are starting to go up, and it's all it, it really truly has to do. Yeah, with the and cover. you see the numbers go up, yeah, so as the cover is more enticing. Yeah, yep. you've got to get that cover so you can get it in their hands, so they'll open the cover, read the first couple of pages, like Rodney was saying, or yeah. yep. you know, you got to you click on the link and listen to the little the little snippet, and then you're hooked. And you may just you know if you've got 
a great content and you can't get it in front of people you know it's it's like it's bad for you but it's also cheating people out of a great experience so he's doing a service absolutely yep. that's that's the biggest struggle that as as a publisher uh, i face is just letting people know the book is there you know i mean you got absolutely. so much competition it's incredible yeah but but you know we're we're beyond the point where it used to be where you know the the big uh display at the store was the one that was going to sell the books but now we're in the opposite where if your book makes it to Walmart first of all you're either you know you're with Harper Collins or one of the major publishers mm-hmm. and and the only reason Walmart has you on the bookshelf is because you've already sold you know 250,000 books right where the opposite right. before was they put the display up to sell your books. Now, if you're in, I hate to use this term, where the common folks are, not a library, not a bookstore, if you're in the 7-Eleven or the Walmart, if your book is displayed there, you've already sold half a million copies. There's right. only so much room to turn the book frontwards. They're, they can pack a lot more books into right. uh, square footage if they're turned sideways. Right. <laughs> That's right. But, but, but the average Walmart has about 30 books in it. Right. So they, they're already bestsellers. So now we're looking at Amazon as the main bestseller, of course, uh, spot for books. And uh, you know what? But, but Jimmy, you know what? If you only sold 10,000 books, you still could be on the top list of Amazon. It's all based on reviews and crowdsourcing. And I believe the cover is still number one as far as that goes. Just saying. Putting it out there. Hey, that's right. Yeah, I'm gonna, we're gonna, off my I'm brain. I'm one more short story before we all uh, wrap up and have a little chin wag. And uh, this is this section we like to call Books on Film and Television. A book I've read about half of. It's called Going Clear, and he's a Pulitzer Prize winner, Lawrence Wright, who also wrote The Looming Tower. And he digs in Going Clear into the life of Scientology founder L. Ron Hubbard. When you said Going Clear, I was waiting to make a Scientology joke. L. Ron Hubbard, the influence, his (laughs) quote, church, unquote. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to get killed for that. Quote, church, unquote, has had on its believers, many of whom have close ties to Hollywood or big piles of money. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get killed, Jimmy. I mean, I'll be you know back what? next I week. They're going to they're gonna assassinate me. I'm telling you. I found out <laughs> on another podcast this week. Do you know what the L and L Ron Hubbard stands for? Is that like Leroy or something? Lafayette. Lafayette. So Lafayette Hubbard. I'm going to get Jimmy, if I'm not around next week, you know why. They got to me. Just saying. And, and I'm not being a conspiracy theorist. They really do take care of the business. Just saying. So HBO documentary films uh, and their president, Sheila Nevins, has told The Hollywood Reporter that going clear is going to be a documentary on HBO. And uh, the, the, the major news story of the week, uh, Jimmy, is that in preparation for doing a documentary on this, uh, I will call it an expose book. Going Clear by uh, our good friend Lawrence Wright there. They have hired 160 lawyers preemptively <laughs> just to make sure that the HBO documentary gets out. Got them on retainer. That's right. And I, you remember what happened with uh, Isaac Hayes in South Park when, when uh, the, the boys, Matt and Trey, tried to do a kind of a laugh on uh, Scientology on, on their series. You know, Isaac Hayes... R&B singer and chef. Hey, chef. Hello, children. Um, he decided that he didn't want to make fun of his own religion. 
To which, uh, you know, Matt and Trey said, well, we took the piss out of Christianity, Judaism, Islam. It's good for the goose. And they said, well, you have to. Like, you know, you've participated in making fun of all these other religions. Why not Scientology? And he wouldn't do it. So, of course, this led eventually to the the infamous episode where uh, Isaac Hayes' uh, character of Chef not only was uh, classified a, you know, a pedophile, but he was killed about 23 different times in that episode. <laughs> and they, they, they reused uh, audio from uh, Isaac Hayes to basically make sure that everyone in the audience knew Chef is dead and he's an evil person. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, 160 lawyers. Good God, man. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But HBO, uh, of course, never backed down from a controversial property like uh, Trailer Park Boys and everything else they've done. Uh, we'll go ahead with this. Going clear. It should be interesting. We'll see what happens. Uh, gentlemen, David, yes, Rodney, Sir, sir yes. Jimmy, this has been fun chatting it's books. Been wonderful. And you Very are all fun. welcome to come back anytime you want and uh, we want to keep reminding gentlemen, because ladies read, young ladies read, women read, and, uh, you know, it's almost, we don't understand that we think that more men read than women, because men have more technical, technological jobs. Men, you know, uh, are in general suppressing women, but oh, the truth is that women are reading for pleasure. <laughs> Women are reading for, uh, to, for their own betterment. Women are taking uh, Anthony Robbins' course more than men are. You know, women really do read for pleasure, and they're not ashamed to do so because they're not put down by their peers for reading. And in fact, when a woman goes to another woman and says, I read this book, the other woman says, that's awesome. Please join our book reading club where men today and young men today are berated, are put down for reading a book. You know, you're supposed to be watching rap videos and listening to music and just basically being a douche nozzle. But we're here to say, as the book guys, that it's cool to read a damn book. That's right. Put a book in front of you, enjoy. And even if you don't have the time to sit and read and pour a glass of scotch or pour a glass of Coca-Cola and read a book, it's cool to read. There's one, two, three, four of us here today of all different ages, sizes, and Creeds, colors, and countries. Proof positive. That's that right. It is cool to read, gentlemen. Gentlemen, young men, young boys, old men, grandfathers, grandpa. It's cool to read a book. Read as many as you can. And if you don't want to read, grab an audiobook. Go to yeah, Audible. Go download the latest episode of Padre's Corner. That's right. Episode 118. You can see how cool we are. Go to twit.tv, and it should be out soon. It's my fault because my uh, internet died. So they're editing like crazy down at the Twit (laughs) Brick House in San Francisco. But check out. We will put it on a stream as well, Jimmy, right? We'll put it out as a video. Episode 118. Yeah, we'll put it out as a video. And I was going to say to Dave, and I'll say to all the listeners, if you have a Roku... And you oh, yeah. go to the channel store, you can search through and find the Twit Network has uh, their own channel. Yeah. And the Padre's Corner's on there. You can see him. Of course, he's got the little collar on. It's easy to find. Yeah, we love and, Padre. Um, any day now, the latest episode will be out. Yeah. The, the title, I don't know. But, I believe uh, it will be episode uh, 15 of Padre's Corner. It will be called Book Eyes Show. I could be wrong. Cool. And you can see <laughs> us in full HD. And my apologies. Yeah, that's well, right. <laughs> 
I watched that show live, so yes, please apologize. <laughs> yes, we will. We will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hang on. Now, now, David, I don't know if you have any promo codes for any of your books. Uh, Yes, as a matter of fact, I do. If you have at least one that you have laying around on your uh, table there, I love to do a a prize contest where I don't have to uh, shell out. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe, do you have an email address you can hand out on the show? It's real simple. It's dave at mybrothersbooks.com. So, so could maybe the first person that emails you with a subject of Book Guys Show, yep, could they get a promo code? Absolutely, they can. So then well, I have to play this jingle then. Welcome to Prize Agenza! Yes! And Thank you, worry, Dave. We are no, we're notorious for people not playing with me. It's a <laughs> Prize Agenza. And if you email Dave, and what's the email address again, Dave? Dave at mybrothersbooks.com So the first person to email him with the subject title Book Guys Show will get uh, Dave has been gracious enough to offer a promo code that you can download one of the books. There you go. There you go. And uh, Jimmy, Dave. Rodney. Gentlemen and gentlemen. Rodney. Rodney, uh, I want you to hang on because I want you to record my uh, voicemail message. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, no, guys, gentlemen, hang on. We're going to say goodbye for the you know the constant readers, but stick around after the end theme because we want to talk to you for a little bit more. Okay. Off the record, as they say. All right. Thank you, Jimmy, Dave, Rodney. Episode one one nine is in the can. We will stick around. We'll we'll decide on a episode title, and we'll be back again next week. To talk Same about book time. Books. Same book Same channel. Ch- For sure, Jimmy. Take it away. Stay tuned, book readers and book listeners. Book Guys Show will return next week. Same book time. Same book channel. Do, 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 do. Love that music. Ah. <laughs>